Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. I, uh, I'm going I'm to preach a little bit today, uh, <clears throat> and probably talk more than preach. Uh, I do have a voice problem today, but I wanted to be in my favorite place here on Sunday. I wanted to be here with you. And we got in late yesterday evening, and I wrote my message into the night. I normally have my message thought up and, and planned out in my mind by Thursday. I have it written by Friday. It maturates on Saturday, and then I preach it on Sunday. But last night at 1230, I was still laboring in front of the typewriter, trying to get this all together, and it sounds like that little staccato burst. So I'm going to ask you if you'll just be patient with me today and uh, let me talk a little bit instead of preach a little bit. Let me talk, and I may, I may, get, I may get excited every now and then, but let me just talk to you about this, about this thing that I see. I'm going, to, I'm going to talk to you today about There Is More. Last week was really the last week of the There Is More series. It really was. Then I got away. Sometimes when you get away and you get to thinking back about where you are and what God's doing back there, God just starts giving you more. And so I'm going to preach more of there is more today. I'm going to preach a little bit more about that there is more today. So if you didn't like it last week, you probably won't like it this week because it's going to be more. I'm going to put some more out there for you today. Ephesians 3 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Proverbs 29 says, where there is no vision, people perish. The NIV says, where there's no vision, people cast off restraints or they get stuck. They get stuck in the gate of paralysis. Don't know which way to go. They're just stuck in the gate. I want to talk to you a little bit today. Say, Pastor, Pastor. preach to us today. Let the word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach to us today. Let the word touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach to us today. Let me leave here. Better person. What I was when I came in. I love you. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. I won't be long with you here today. Young man dreamed of being an actor. I'm gonna, my first point is keep the vision in front of you, but I'll, I'll talk about that. A young man dreamed of becoming an actor. But in the, in the early 80s, he wasn't getting big parts that he wanted, so... He broke and discouraged. He drove his beat-up car to the top of a hill overlooking the city of L.A. And he did something very unusual. No, he didn't, ju- he didn't jump off the hill. He wrote himself a check for $10 million. And on it, on the lower left-hand corner, it said, Acting Services Rendered. He wrote himself a check. He had grown up so poor that his family had lived once in a Volkswagen, and they had to beg, borrow, and sometime get close to stealing for food. But he put that check in his wallet and he kept it there. And when things got tough, he would pull it out and look at it, remind himself of his dream. Anybody ever done that? A dozen years later, 12 years later, didn't happen overnight, the same young man, a comedian named Jim Carrey, was making 15 million to 25 million a movie. And he is a stupid acting young man. (laughs) Studies tell us that we move toward what we consistently see. Say it with me. We move toward 
what we consistently see. There was a businessman who had a goal one day to build him a, a new office, and he knew what color of brick he wanted, so he went out, and he got one brick. He brought that brick into his office and put it on his desk. He looked at that brick every day, and he said, this is going to be what my new office is going to look like, and he would feel that brick, and he would talk to that brick. I know it sounds stupid. A few years later, he built an office that had that brick and many hundred more in that office. He did what he said he would do. If you're single, let me talk to you. And you want to get married. Some of you need to put an empty photo album on your table. Now, I'm going to get serious, but I'm going to mess with you here a little bit. That's where you're going to put your wedding photos someday. Say amen. And when you see it, you're moving toward it. You may not reach your highest potential. And it's not because you don't have faith. Not because you don't have talent or determination. But if you don't reach some things in your life, it's because you're not keeping the right things in front of you. You've got to keep your dream in front of you. All over your house, you should have pictures that inspire you. You should have scriptures, verses that encourage you. You need to have mementos that strengthen your faith. Maybe one might be a key on a ring for a new house you want to buy. And somebody asks, what's that extra key there? That's the house that's on its way in my life. I love how Jeremiah and Crystal Bridges, members of our church, they were in first service, and I'll talk about them in second service. Jeremiah was that kind of guy. He said, Pastor, there's going to come a day. Because when the first time I saw that boy, he was in rehab. He was messed up bad. And God brought him out of that rehab. He had hair down past his waist. God brought him out of that rehab. God touched his life, filled him with the Spirit. He's one of our ushers today. He's one of our board of directors in this church today. And he started from there. And here he is today saying, God... I want a new house. He believed. He kept a picture in front of him. And this last week, they moved into their brand new home that's built for them because they kept in front of them what they was. The good book says, Philippians 1 and 6, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Everybody say, he started something good in me. He's going to complete it. Let me put it on the screen. God will finish what he starts. Oh, let me preach to you. I don't care how low you have fallen. I don't care how far you have backslidden. When God makes you a promise, when God says that he will complete what he started, he's a God that knows how to bring completion to your life. Somebody say glory to that. You may have staggered and stumbled and fumbled the ball, but pick yourself back up because God knows how to put the completion in your life. Zerubbabel comes back from Babylon. He wants to build the house of the Lord back. The temple was laid to waste when the Babylonians took over. And of course, that temple took some seven years to build. But Zerubbabel knew that he had to do a, a quick work and he comes home. And when he comes home, he wants to build this temple back. And the people start working with him for a little while. Then all of a sudden, they get discouraged and they just quit on him. People just quit on him. And so for about 10 years, nothing happens. The temple is just laying there. It's just what it is. And one day, a preacher comes by. I hope I can be this kind of preacher to you today. A preacher comes by. His name is Zachariah. He's a prophet. And he said, here's what I want you to do, Zerubbabel. I want you to go get the headstone." And so he said, okay, you know, the cornerstone is the first stone that's laid. It's, it's, the, it's the marker. 
But the headstone is the last stone that's laid. It shows the final results of a building built. He said, I want you to go get that headstone and park it right here. So that when you get discouraged and you don't think that God's going to help you finish this beautiful building again. He said, I want you to look at that headstone. Because it's going to show that God is able to complete what he has started in your life. And God was saying to him through the prophet, I am in control. I'm going to bring to pass. Just stay with me in the faith. Seven months later, the temple was rebuilt. Amen. Because Zerubbabel understood when we first built this building way back in 1997, it'll be 18 years old. It doesn't look it. it, We've taken good care of this building. Thank you for being kind to the church of the living God. But when we built this, before we ever laid the foundation, I came here one day, we had a building out yonder and a big old fence that Mr. Mr. Keating used to live in that property and we bought that property and now it's a parking lot. But there was, I drove up and there was a baptistry stuck between, a baptistry, I'm talking about a baptistry, stuck between the building and the fence. And I, I, I went and looked for the man. I said, hey, 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 buddy, what you got this baptistry out here for? He said, pastor, we're going to baptize people in this church. I said, we ain't even got the church built yet. He said, well, this is just the cornerstone. We're just, we, baptistry is the first thing we're going to have here. And he, I didn't realize, I didn't see what I see now. Folks, that, that baptistry is in this baptistry right here right now. We're baptizing people by the hundreds and the thousands in this church. Can you give God glory? I had a precious young man come to me this morning. He said, my soul is overwhelmed. I'm ready to jump in the water right now. You know why? Because somebody saw a headstone and somebody realized we're going to finish what God has started in this church when we started building it a long time ago. Clap your hands and say amen to that. Do you have a headstone in front of you? Do you have something that says, I'm going to complete the dream that God has given me? Jim and Yvette Perry, two precious people. They're in my new book that I am writing. I, I hope to have it out sooner than later. I'm not going to give you a date, but I hope to have it out sooner than later. But they had a vision before them, and they wouldn't let that vision get away from them. It became a quest. We want to be parents. Yvette, Yvette could not have children, and so when she and Jim got married, they could not have biological children, so they said, they come to me one day, and we prayed over, over the fostering process, and so we, we asked God to let them foster some children that might become adopted children. And, and, and they got three beautiful kids, wonderful kids. A little girl, two little boys, they got them. And, and, and after six months, the foster people came back and said, we found somebody else to give these kids to. And after six months of loving kids and wanting kids in their life, they had to say goodbye to them. And they came to the office weeping. I said, dry your eyes. Just dry your eyes. Because God's not going to tease you like that. He's not going to tease you like that. God's not into teasing. He's into blessing. Oh, hallelujah. He's into blessing. And I said, believe that God, in the next two months, a little beautiful girl and two little brothers, twins, came into their life as foster children. And the foster people said, you can adopt these. And here's what God did. Those first kids were beautiful. They're wonderful. All kids are wonderful. But they look nothing like the Perrys. But the second, the second group, the three little boys, the two little boys and little girl. The little girl looks like Yvette is her big sister. Looks just like her. And the two little boys look like splitting images of Jim Perry. You know why? Because God said, I'm not going to just do a good job. I'm going to do a, hallelujah. I'm going to do a great job. You got to keep that dream ahead of you. You hear me? You got to keep it in front of you. Get a headstone in your life. Don't stop with the cornerstone. Don't stop saying, well, you know, I started this thing. Finish. Because God is able to complete that. 
that he has begun in you against that day. Say amen. So this morning after I preached in the first service, I had people coming up with all kinds of testimonies. Our parking pastor, I love him to death, Richard Weston, came up to me. And Richard used to work for Taco Bell, still works for Taco Bell. And he was over something like, like 16 stores. He was kind of like the supervisor of maintenance to keep things running over those stores. And one day they demoted him. And he came in here and he said, Pastor, I got demoted. I said, no, you ain't been demoted. You just, you just moving, getting ready for another shift change. They put him in a bucket truck. And all he could do now was just change light bulbs and, and fix things. And they, they demoted him. Didn't, didn't cut his pay, but demoted him. And I said, they love you. They let two people ahead of him go away because they love Richard, because Richard had favor with God. It wasn't three months later. They came back to him and said, Richard, we've changed our mind. We're going to put you over all the Taco Bells in Texas. Somebody needs to get happy about that. We're going to put you over all the Taco Bells in Texas and said, guess what, Richard? Today, last week they told him, guess what, Richard? We're going to give you a big old raise. They gave him a $6,000 a year raise just the other day because they love him so much. Here's what I'm telling you. Don't let because something goes astray, because something goes downhill. You keep understanding. Put that headstone in front of you. Hey, if you want to go to college, why don't you get you a mug with your favorite college kids on there? Hook them horns or gig them Aggies. Put that mug in front of you and say, I'm going to be an Aggie. I'm going to be an Aggie. I'm going to be a horn. We got a little old girl, Sarah. She's 17 years old. She's going to get out of school this year. Guess what? She came in the other day. She'd been wanting to be an Aggie since she was a little pup. She came in the other day and she said, Pastor, I got my acceptance letter from Texas A&M. You know why? She never let the dream. Ah, somebody help me. She never let the dream die. I was talking to a man on the porch. I was talking to a man on the porch between services. He's one of my dearest friends in this church. He and his wife's been around a long time, and he's just like me. He married up. But he was talking to me. Six years ago, he decided, he decided to go out of business with the business that he was working his business for. He decided to say, I'm going independent. And he came to me, and we prayed about it. And I said, hey, does God, is God directing? He said, God directed me, Pastor. I said, go for it, man. Go for it. So he, he, he goes for it. It was pretty lean at first. But he kept coming to him and said, Pastor, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Can I tell you something? And I asked him if I could share it this morning. He said, sure, Pastor. He's already on his way in his sixth year of business to being a million-dollar company in a year in profits. What are you saying? Are you talking money? No, I'm not talking money. I'm talking about dreams. I'm talking about putting a headstone in front of you. If you can believe it, if you can dream it, if you can imagine it, God's able to do it. He will complete. He will complete. He will complete what he started in your life. Don't you ever doubt it. You know, coming to America is not the easiest thing. We have a precious girl that came from Africa. She came here to get her law degree. She got her law degree. Not only did she come from Africa, she got her law degree in the United States of America. Now she's a practicing attorney because she never let the dream die in front of her life. I know a couple, read about a couple that, that, wanted, that wanted twins in their life. And the wife couldn't have kids, and so they wanted twins. So they, they, they believed. And for seven years, they believed. They believed God's going to bless them with twins. And they got discouraged. One day, the man went to the mailbox, and Huggies had a promotion. Huggies diapers had a promotion. And he went, and he got a package 
of diapers from Huggies. And it was one diaper, he thought. But when he opened it up, it was two. Somebody had sent two in that package. Supposed to have been one. He got two. So he put those diapers on his desk. And every day he'd pat the little behind part of that diaper. Said, someday I will have babies. Someday we'll have babies. God gave them beautiful twin girls. God gave them two. What are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. Mitch said it early. If God can do it for those people, God can do it for me. If God can do it for them, he can do it for me. Can somebody rejoice with me today and say, there is more for God to do in my life. I've told this story many times, but some of you folks, you know, somebody said, pastor needs to tell the jokes, the same jokes every six months. Because there's a lot of brand new people come join the church, especially when it's a growing church. But I've told this story. We had five couples in this church years ago. They couldn't have kids. They were one of them. They're beautiful couples, young couples. They couldn't have children. So one Sunday, I decided, I decided to preach. Can you, can you take God at his word? Can you take him with just a sentence? Do you have to have the completion of the story? Can you dance on a foundation? Can you shout on a foundation? And I brought them up that day, and I had some party hats. Those little look like dunce caps, you know what I'm saying? And those whistles that you blow. So I put all them party hats on them men and women, 10 people right here. And we prayed God's going to give babies. No, nobody fell out. Nobody got into a victory dance. Nobody went crazy. They walked out of here. A year later, we had kids all over this church. Another year later, we had more kids over this church. Those five couples produced a huge Sunday school class. The least of them had three kids, and the most of them had four kids. And the people that had four kids said, Pastor, please quit praying. We're done. We're done. We're done. When God gets ready. Are you ready? Are you, are you with me now? When God gets ready. When God gets ready. See, with people that have no vision, they get stuck. They pull off all restraints. They get stuck in the, paralysis, in the gate of paralysis of faith. What should be and what is happening now, many, what is not happening now, many give up. If you, want, if you want to do something in your life, if you want to do something in your life, start putting a headstone in front of you and say that God is going to show me the completion of what he has for me in my life. Let me stop and tell you, on this trip, on this trip, I know this sounds so goofy and I sound like somebody that's lost their mind, but God told me that I was going to be the Colonel Sanders of the church. When I preached the first time in my life, I preached from... From Mark chapter 9, if thou canst believe, the first sermon I ever preached, all things are possible to him that believe. And I preached faith all my life. But all of a sudden, in the last three or four years, I'm seeing faith like I've never seen faith in my life. I believe that it has substance. I believe it has substance. Hallelujah. I believe it has evidence. And I believe it's more than just hope. Hope maketh not a shame. But faith is real. You hear me? Faith is real. And when you get locked into this thing called faith, you get ready. God is going to do things in your life. There is more than you could ever imagine that's coming down the road. It is not the will of God for you to live with less. It's the will of God for you to be blessed with more. It's the will of God for your family to prosper. It's the will of God for your family to grow strong. It's the will of God for your children to have healthy babies. It's the will of God for your family to be functional and not dysfunctional. Somebody help this pastor preach today. I'm preaching everything I've got.
I used to go to Dallas, and when I'd go to Dallas, I, <clears throat> I got to apologize. There's a church between here and Waco, off to the side of the road. It's about a 30 by 20 building, maybe 40 by 20. If you're kin to the pastor there, please forgive me. Please forgive me. But the name of the church is World Outreach Center. That's the most misnomed named church I've ever seen. My World Outreach Center. And I want to talk to the pastor. <clears throat> I want to stop and talk to him several times, but I've never seen a car there. I don't guess they have the money to pay a secretary, but it's a World Outreach Center. Somebody's got faith. I've driven by here recently. Hadn't seen hardly anything there. Because I imagine they've probably moved on to someplace bigger. Because they believe. You know, you know, Joel Osteen talks about his daddy. I loved his daddy. John Osteen was a great Holy Ghost preacher. And Joel talks about him. He said when they got in that feed store there in Houston, he called that first church they had, he called it Lakewood International Outreach Center. They had 90 people. But guess what they have now at Lakewood? Because you see, you never move the headstone. My God. You never move the headstone. If you've got it in your vision, God's got the power to give you provision. If you've got it in your vision, God's got the power to give you provision. Clap your hands and say amen. See, you need to release your faith in a big way. Because when you release your faith in a big way, God will supersize it. Everybody say, God will supersize it. I love McDonald's back in those days when I used to eat all the fries I wanted and never gained a pound. You want that supersize? Yeah, make it big, boys, make it big. I want the biggest fries, the biggest drink. I want the biggest Coke you got in the house. Some of us need to take the limits off of God this year in our life. I've told you before, this is the year of ambition. And when, when, if you desire it, God's able to give it. I, he just told me I need to preach this. I need to cook chicken a different way for you folks. Because faith has substance. Faith has evidence. Faith is tangible. Faith is real. It's something that works in our life. Are you with me now? He loves to work big things for us. Remember, he's not limited by your resources. He's not limited by your environment. He's not limited by your education. He's not limited by your nationality. He's not limited by your past. If you have a big vision, God will not only do what we're dreaming about, he'll do more than you even ask or think that you could do in this life. God is able. Last year, about May, I went down to a place in San Antonio. I was invited with a bunch of ministers to a place called Convoy of Hope. And, and, and I was blown away because they showed films of feeding over a million kids a day with money from churches, over a million kids a day. And I want to be honest with you. I walked out of there crying and I said, God, if you can do it for them, you can do it for us. Now, I want to thank God for every time we feed the homeless and the hurting in, in, in Austin, Texas. Yesterday, our, our kids, our young people fed 800 people. Fed 800 people. We're not up here just talking about it. I think that's good stuff. Come on. That's your young people. That's your young people. Come on, clap your hands with that. That's your young people. But that's just, that's just the tip of the iceberg with what God wants to do in this church. 
God wants this place to be 24-7. He wants this church to have revival around the clock. He wants people to be teaching Bible studies. I saw a lady this morning in the, in the information booth and she came up to me. She said, Pastor, I'm so excited. She said, somehow, somebody saw what I had in my life and they asked me to lead a Bible study at my office. They're asking me, said, Pastor, I don't even know how to talk in front of people. But they're asking me to lead a Bible study and I said, you can do it. She said, oh, I know it. I feel it. I can do it. Because God will never put you out there without giving you provision. When you've got the vision, God will give you the provision. Man, I feel preachy today here. If you can imagine it, say, if you can imagine it, God can do it. We've got a kid in this church. Anybody here know Courtney Duke? Courtney used to be a skinny, 100-pound weakling. And then he got this image in his mind of what he wanted to become. So he started doing this number. I do this number. (laughs) Well, I get a lot of wrist exercise. And he became a bodybuilder champion. I've seen the before pictures. I've seen the after pictures. The before wouldn't scare me at all. The after, uh uh-uh. Don't want none of that. One of the sweetest young men that's ever walked in the doors of this church. God gave him salvation. He's done so well, been baptized in water. He's a great guy. And I probably embarrassed him a little bit this morning, but we all gave him an ovation. What did he see that caused him to have that kind of internal belief that he could become? I promise this, I've never seen that. I've never seen that picture. You know, I, I see, I see, I think I'm anorexic because when I look in the mirror, all I see is fat. And that's what anorexic people do. So I think I'm going to have anorexia. <laughs> Teasing. But I've never seen myself. I went, to, I went, to, I went to therapy the other day for my knee and because and, I don't want surgery. And I was working on this knee and they just had some weights on me and I was doing this and did about an hour of work. And I said, I don't know if I want to come back to therapy anymore. It's too hard to work. But you've got to see something in your life. You've got to believe that God has got something out there. I read about a man that wanted a plane in his business. And he had, a, he had a competitor that had a 12-seat plane. He said, that's the kind of plane I want. So he went out and he bought him a model airplane of what he wanted to fly. And he put it on his desk. And people would say, what's that? He said, that's my new plane. Oh. He said, I'm going to have one one day. He never dreamed how he could. Didn't have the money to have it. But one day, the man who was in business, who was his competitor that was putting him out of business, came by and he said, I'm through with business. I'm done. But I want to, get, I want to bless you with something. I want you to have my plane. He said, sir, I can't have your plane. I can't buy your plane. He said, I didn't ask you to buy it. I didn't ask you to buy it. I just want you to have this plane. And I want you to make the monthly payments as long as you want it. And then you just give it back to me. Because I'll sell it when you get through with it. Can I tell you that God knows how to fix your future if you have faith in God. He knows how to do it. You hear me? Some people, some people in this church feel, they feel unworthy. They really do. They feel unworthy. They said, you know, I see that God can bless maybe Dr. Al, Brother Jeff. I see that God can bless maybe a, a Frank Cullen. I see that God maybe can bless a Dr. Stewart. God can bless some of these people, a Tom Revis. I see, but he can't bless me. And they feel unworthy. Now you listen to me. God is no respecter of person. Have you ever read the story in Luke 7 of the centurion? He was so, he was so 
internally disturbed about even approaching Christ. He had this servant that was sick and he sent servants to ask Jesus if he could heal his servant. For he said, I am not worthy to come to you. So I'm going to send my servants. That's what you call somebody with a low self-esteem. And Jesus said, I will do that. So Jesus starts going to his house and he sends some more servants and said, no, don't come to my house. I'm not worthy of you to come under my roof. But if you'll just speak the word, if you'll just say something, if you'll speak the word, my servant will be healed. And Jesus spoke the word. The servants went home. The man was healed. And he said, what time did he talk? He said, it's about one o'clock. It's about the, the seventh hour. He said, that's when this servant got his healing. Here's what I want to tell you. If you've got that kind of faith, it don't matter how inferior you are. If you have that kind of faith, God's got a word for you. God's got a victory for you. God's got a blessing for you. And he's not going to hold it back because you don't have the position and the place of somebody else in the church. Oh, let me preach to you today. Come on. Let me preach to you today. It's amazing. We've got single moms in this church that thinks their life may not be where it ought to be because they're, they're single. You don't have to worry about that. God can bless single moms. We've got single dads in this house. The church has got a lot of singles in it. But it does not matter if you're by yourself or if you're with a companion that don't even love the God that you love. It doesn't matter. God's got something for you. Don't let anything take the headstone away from your view. Say amen to that. Say amen to that. Amen. Amen. You want something big in your life? Every time you see your vision, you're moving toward it. Thank God. It's on the way. Now, let me preach a little bit now, and I'll be through. PJ and I just got back from the 33-year anniversary trip. We had the greatest time. You know why? Because I'm her best buddy, and she's my best buddy. And once again, I told her what a great decision she made. No, no, it really wasn't that way. I told her what a great choice I made. But let me tell you what we did on this trip. We collected the positives from our past. Why does the past usually represent the bad, the disgusting, the hopefully forgettable? There should be victories from our yesterday that propel us to greater vision for today. Anybody God ever healed? Come on, raise your hand. Get excited. Anybody God ever healed in this house? Anybody God ever delivered? Remember when drugs had a hold of you? Drugs don't have that hold anymore. Remember when illicit sexual things had a hold of you? It don't happen anymore. You remember when you were hooked up with some kind of porn scene and it's not there any longer? You've turned that off. You switched that off in your life. You remember all that stuff? You believe that's a victory in your past? Come on. Not everything yesterday's forgettable. There's some things you need to remember in your life. You know what God did in the Old Testament? Many times. Many times. He would, he would command these people to have memorial days, to have certain feasts, certain celebrations. And he said, here's what I, I, want, I, want, I want to remind you, make you remember what I have done for you. They would celebrate how God brought them out of Egypt, how he brought them out of slavery, how he defeated their enemies for them, how he protected them. They were required, do you hear me? They were required to remember. Sometimes we think that we just need to forget everything in the past. No, 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 no. But psychologists say 
that is 50% more likely for a person to remember the negative than it is the good. Here's what I want to preach in the next few minutes. If you're going to remember something from yesterday, don't let it be when the divorce happened. Don't let it be when you lost your health. Don't let it be when your kids walked out on you. Let it be something that God's done powerful in your life. Choose to remember the beautiful things in your life. Come on, are you with me? Choose to remember the great things in your life. Another, another place they would put down what they call memorial stones, big stones. And today we call them historical markers. It reminded them, it happened in the book of Joshua, of the particular victories that God gave them. This stone represented an event. This stone represented another event. One for the removal perhaps from slavery. One, a child was healed. One that God provided for a family. Everyone here needs your own memorial stones. And when you look back over your life, you don't need to remember failures. You don't need to remember when your business went down. You don't need to remember when you lost your loved ones or when the boss or the pastor or church member did you wrong. You don't need to remember that. You need to remember the great times in your past because God says, if I can do it then, I can do it now. His supply has never run out. Everybody say, there is more. Everybody say, there is more. You know what I want you to do? I want you to go up to the TV and switch channels and say, I'm not going to live on that negative channel any longer. I'm going to live on a positive channel. I'm going to look back and see the good things that God has done. And I'm going to live on those good things because if God can do it then, He can do it now. If He can do it for them, He can do it for me. I didn't mean to preach this hard. But I'm going to tell you, Patty and I relived the joy of our wedding. I said, I remember when you walked in. Let me see how much time I've got left. I'll be through in just a little bit. I was up there getting ready to sing, You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. Oh, I am. I did Thursday too, I practiced. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. And I started crying just for a moment because my sunshine from my previous family had been taken. Please don't take my sunshine away. And God never has. He's restored this man completely. And we relive the joy. We relive the joy. I read a story about a girl named Rachel Smith who won Miss USA Beauty Pageant several years ago and she was then in, involved in the, in the Miss Universe pageant. He walked out on stage, stage in an evening gown and she slipped down on the slick floor and fell flat of her back. She was embarrassed to say the least in front of not only that audience but all of television. All the women were probably feeling sorry for her and the guys were probably snickering. She got up quick, kicked quickly and kept a smile on her face and there were jeers and there were boos from the audience but she kept her cool. In spite of the fall, she made the top five in the Miss Universe pageant. And then the, came the question time. She pulled a question out of the hat. And the question was, if you could relive and redo any moment in your life over again. <laughs> that amazing? What moment would that be? And without missing a beat, she said, I would relive my trip to Africa working with the orphans. Seeing their beautiful smiles and feeling their warm hugs. Not embarrassment, not the pain, but the kids. That's what you got to do. If God can do anything. He still can do everything. I close today. Everybody say, God, God can do it, can do it. Again. again. Staffs in the Old Testament, bring me my staff. Staffs in the Old Testament were not just walking sticks. 
They were not something just to keep the enemy or the, the animals away. They were powerful. One of the neatest stories that probably helps, perhaps you miss in your reading is when David went to fight the giant. The Bible said when he went down to the brook to pick up his stones, he had his staff with him. Read that. It's in your Bible. You know why he had that staff with him? Because they didn't have computers in that day to write their memories. They didn't have something to log with paper and pen. They kept their memories on the staff. And David went to that stream that day, and he had on this staff, a lion came after me. I killed him. One, 15, 542 B.C. Whatever. Right next to it, a bear came today. I slew him. So when he goes down to the stream to get his stones, he's got his staff. And he reaches in that, in that brook to get those stones and his thumb's reading his history. And he's saying, my God, you delivered me out of the paw of the bear and out of the mouth of the lion. This giant cannot conquer what you have blessed. And he put those stones in his pocket somewhere in the middle of going out to face him. He had a staff in one hand and a slingshot in another. And he took him down because the past victories always let him know that if God could then, Amen. he can still do it now. pastor gave me this. I'm going to sound a little arrogant, but I'm not, I'm not really arrogant. He said, I buy these when I go places and I give them to people that I think are real shepherds. And he gave me this a long time ago when I came to pastor this church. Nobody's getting this. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you for believing. Boy, I've got some victories I could etch on this staff. I've got some things I could write. You know, the people in the Old Testament were nomadic people. And they walked through the land. And like I said, they didn't, they didn't have computers. They didn't have pencil and paper. They, just, they wrote their victories all up and down these walking sticks. And when they'd come to a particular situation that they didn't think they could conquer, they'd just start almost like a Braille person. Just start reading. Oh, I remember that's when we whipped Amalek right there. We tore Amalek's head off right there. I remember right here, right here, right here. I remember when our daughter was sick and God healed her. I remember when we didn't have anything and manna came every morning from heaven. We trusted God every day for his presence and his provision. And all these beautiful memories on the staff, let them know if God could do it then. He can still do it now. He can still do it now. He can still do it now. In fact, one of the neatest stories in the Bible, Dr. Al, one of the neatest stories in the Bible is when Jacob fixing to leave Laban's house. And Laban said, well, good to have you, son, these 14 years. He said, well, I need some cows and I need some people, to, some 
some livestock to go with me. He said, okay, you can have all the spotted and the straight calves out there. There wasn't one in the pasture. And Jacob said, okay. So when Laban turned his back, Jacob took his staff and he put a streak on it. He called it straking it. He straked it. Then he put some spots on it. And when those mama cows that were heavy with calves came to feed, he put that stick in front of them and said, look at it. That's your headstone. And what they saw, they produced. And all of a sudden, a little bit later, there was all kinds of calves out there with strakes and with spots. Jacob said, load them all up, kids. And Laban just had to sit there and shake his head. Because even a cow knows when you look at a headstone, you know God's going to finish what he started. But the beauty of this story, and I conclude today, and I know I've held you too long, but I, I've enjoyed talking to you today. Everybody say there's more. I've enjoyed talking to you. The beauty of this story is that there's a New Testament scripture that said this, that Jacob in his old age worshiped God leaning on his staff. You know why? He never let that staff get out of his sight. Because it was memories. It was blessings. It was favor. It was the honor of God. It was when you didn't have a dime and God filled your house up. It was when you didn't have any groceries and somebody came to visit you and brought you groceries. And when you didn't think your kid was going to get healed and God healed that child. Don't ever let that staff get out of your head and out of your heart. If God can do it then, He can do it now. Somebody needs to rejoice with me today. Somebody needs to hang on to the memories and the blessings and the favor of God. There is more. There is more. There is more. There is more. Stand to your feet, you're awesome people. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.